0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. My name is David. Joining you guys again, or you guys joining us again, for another beautiful, beautiful episode. With me today is my co-host, who hasn't done an episode with me in a while now. I am talking about you, Russell. I usually join you, now you're joining me. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And you know, David,
1: my streak of managing to avoid you is going very well until about five o'clock today, when you texted me and said, hey, do you want to be on this episode? And I said, yeah. Yeah, why I not? I I'll, I'll sent you an
0: email. I called you. I put up smoke. Uh, everything. everything. I got a FedEx was everything today. but
1: send a wolf. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> FedEx, UPS, USPS. I was like, this man is spending money on freight on literally pieces <laughs> of paper saying today, and I was like, oh my gosh, how much are you spending <laughs> tying, on overnight t- charges? i had tying a the letter
2: ready. to the carrier pigeon and about to send it off right before you <laughs> answered.
0: Literally, I had a drone ready and everything.
1: Oh, no, hold on! Wait, guys,
0: on the window. Oh my gosh, we have got a Harry Potter owl
1: outside the door here.
0: <laughs> no, no, guys, all those voices you hear, um, and I'm happy to have them on. Mike, Sean, Mason from Riverside Ramble at Riverside underscore show. River guys, City. Sorry, David. River City side. River City. God. River City Ramble. Here we go. We got. We're off to a great start. River City.
3: No, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. It,
2: the, uh, the 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 name of the application is a capital. little too close. God. <laughs>
1: Well, that was entirely intentional when I when I signed up for the service literally a literally. year ago.
2: You were plotting like, our you were plotting our downfall. I,
4: I was plotting. Oh, see, at a, at a year ago, we weren't <laughs> called River City Ramble. <laughs> so. <There's> all, we <laughs> so don't want to relitigate that all again. <laughs>
2: it was no, no not, a year ago. <laughs> the uh, the more importantly is how did you know before we did? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Time no. travel. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Excited to talk St. Louis, excited to talk. I mean, you guys are more excited than I am to talk St. Louis with the season you guys are having is fantastic. But the question I always ask to start off, and I'll start with you, Mike. How did you get into MLS? How did you get into St. Louis? Oh, uh, I'm actually not in the city of St. Louis. I'm in
3: a small town in Illinois, about an hour and a half away, but always been a St. Louis fan following the Cardinals diehard St. Louis Cardinal fan for years and years. Um, But MLS, well, I was there when it started. Can't say as I watched the league a whole lot, the first 10 years, but starting about 2010, I just started following the league. It's our domestic league. I saw something in it to where it's competitive. The matches were always competitive. Almost always at the end. It was crazy. It was chaotic. It was fun to watch. So as a neutral, I just watched a lot of matches. Um, And then we got a team in Nashville, which is actually not terribly far away from us, enough for a a long day trip. And I was going to follow them. And then the announcement came that St. Louis finally, finally got an MLS franchise. And I was all in. And um, got excited. Always wanted to do a podcast about uh, the beautiful game. And this gave me the exact opportunity to start one. That's how I got started into it.
0: Fantastic. So you you remember those days where it was kind of hard to keep up with MLS since there wasn't much media coverage around.
3: Yeah. It was I, I remember the days when uh it was hard to find information about the US going to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in two thousand two.
0: <laughs> That's a whole different world now. Whole different world. It's fantastic now to keep up with everything. Mason, how did you get into St. Louis? Was it expansion time, Was or were you already a fan of the league before that?
2: Um, I wasn't a huge fan of MLS before, but I occasionally followed it. I had an interest in getting into soccer, but it felt very overwhelming. Possibly the nerdiest way possible to get into a sport. Um, I was looking at the Wikipedia article for sports in St. Louis, and I saw that we had a USL team called St. Louis FC that I had never heard of at all. At the time, Sean was a coworker of mine, um, and I knew that Sean was a big soccer fan. So I was like, hey, Sean, I just heard about this team. Do you want to go to a game with me? So we ended up going to a St. Louis City or excuse me, a St. Louis FC U.S. Open Cup game against the Chicago Fire. That was my first ever soccer game, really watching it. And I watched it live and I loved it. Completely fell in love with the sport from then. Since then, yeah, I was following the first expansion effort, and then this one. So we all know how that went.
0: And against Chicago, I think everyone wants to play Chicago. One of the few <laughs> everyone wants to play Chicago at the moment, but the way they've been performing in the last few yeah. years. It- Sean, so you've been a fan for a while. Who was your team before? Okay, so I've got a bit of a <laughs> I've got a bit of a history here. Um,
4: so originally, uh, I. I- I'll start at the beginning, but it trust me, it won't be as long of a story as you think. Um, in true St. Louis kid style, I grew up playing soccer all through grade school because that's just the sport that every kid plays growing up in St. Louis. Um, that's just how deep the history runs in this city. Got into high school, stopped playing, started being getting in on the fan side. At the time, it was much easier to get into EPL, so I started being a Tottenham Hotspur fan because that was about the time that Gareth Bale started coming up, and he was he was the next big thing. So my dad and I started following Tottenham Hotspur. Got into college realized that MLS was starting to be a little bit easier to to get into. I went to school in Kansas city, um, started following the blue team from the next state over as I like to refer to them now. But because when you go to, when you go to school in a town that has a team, you're going to follow that team Uh, started it because of, buddy of mine actually said hey i'm going to the game i know you like soccer instead of watching the college team why don't you come with me and we'll go watch this mls game so my first ever live sports game my live my first ever live mls game was actually in the cauldron uh and for four years i was a a very ardent follower of the cauldron and in sporting kc then i moved back home you know i I still followed both teams as as best i could talk started happening of st louis getting a team i said well i'll follow them too and for a little while it was uh it was, well, I said I was going to follow both teams, but when they played each other at the time, I was going to still root for sporting. And then, you know, things started getting more real. I started, you know, going to academy games and feeling more connected to that, to to the team here. And I was torn. Then there was the whole litigate. There was the whole cease and desist. We already, we, we don't need to get back into that. And at that point I said, you know, if it, I hadn't already switched at this point, Every everything's off at this point. It's it's all city, and and the the team that I once loved came after me. So I I don't I don't feel any loyalty towards them whatsoever at this point. And now here I am, a proud city fan with, as you can see, I don't I don't think anyone else will see it, but I've got plenty of city scarves hanging up behind me in my city wall.
0: That's fantastic. That's that's great. I'm glad uh, you guys had the team there. Now, how did the podcast come up? Uh, uh, basically, I had been wanting to do a
3: podcast. I used to do a. St. Louis Cardinals blog years ago. Um, And then when the team started, I basically just said, I'm buying a microphone. I'm going to start a podcast. And I started to see if there was anybody interested. And Mason was interested in doing the tech work. And then he knew, you know, we knew Sean. Sean was interested in doing it. So we started and we started at the time of the announcement. We've been doing this for Almost two and a half years, and the team's not even through their first season. Last season, we covered a lot of the City 2 games for St. Louis. We went to academy games. We went to preseason MLS Next Pro matches. Just talked, you know, the stuff that pundits talk about as the team, what we expect the team to build. Of course, we were dead wrong. What they're going to look like, all of that stuff. Did a lot of uh, U.S. men's national team coverage in the lead up to the World Cup and basically uh, learned our play of our trade in the shadows when nobody was listening uh, until
0: the team came along, basically. Russell, during the expansion announcement for uh, St. Louis, what were your thoughts during their offseason uh, while they were making moves? Because you, you and I have talked. You had in top six, your prediction. Yeah,
1: so I, I was a little bit spoiled in my prediction as I talked to Matt Baker from Flyover Footy. In the lead up to that season. And I I got sucked in on, on the rabbit hole that he took me <laughs> down. And I was like, oh man, these guys, like, they didn't, they didn't follow in the footsteps of Cincinnati. Where we said, we think we know the league better than everyone else. When we had people who had never really been involved in professional soccer. St. Louis went out and actually got experienced people in professional soccer. And they actually developed a pretty strong team. I'm so glad, Mike, you brought up City 2. Because... You guys had a wonderful sort of trial, dry run, where you got to mm-hmm. build chemistry, where you got, you got to actually see the system, where you got to fine tune what you were going to put out on the field your first season. You know, you guys had all the, all the factors for success there in the background, and maybe a lot of people discounted the true impact of what a cohesive year looks like for a team going into MLS.
2: Yeah. Um I do real want to quick real quick want to say um yeah, Matt Baker the very dangerous combination of intelligent and persuasive. Uh <laughs> he's a friend <laughs> of ours. So, <laughs> shout out to Baker. But yeah, that uh that next pro season was very important because they paid salaries on the on the high end guys for an extra year before the first team ever started to get them over and get them like 6 months of experience in MLS next pro to get them acclimated, get them over here. Um, And I think that has paid dividends. You can see it in their play, but also just like kind of the way that they carry themselves. They, um, they already have relationships. They already have bonds with the other guys in the locker room. Um, A lot of the guys from city Two also came up that weren't slated to be on the first team roster. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of chemistry already built into the team that way. In hindsight, it looks like a slam dunk, but at the time, it's like, well, that's a lot of money that you're kind of throwing away. But,
3: but uh, guys like Leuven, Klaus that came over, um, Thomas Ostrak, those, not only did they get into the nuts and bolts of the system, the very specific system that Lutz and Bradley Carnell wanted to play and John Hackworth, Hackworth um, but they were able to get their apartments, get their documents done. Um, find where they're going to find their food, find people from their cultures, you know, feel at home before the season. Well, before the season ever started, uh, Roman Berkey, Leuven, a lot of them have talked to how important that was to them. They were home. They were settled before the season ever started. And I think that was a reason why we came out of the gates so fast. They were ready, settled and ready to bust out.
4: On a similar note, though, uh, I think I think it's a little bit underrated and, uh, and not talked about as much as it probably should be, is the fact that we had so much time leading up to that si- first City 2 season as well to get the front office in order, go out and get the coaches that we wanted, that had an idea of the system that they wanted to implement, that were all for getting ready and get it, starting at something from the ground up, and they could really get a concrete idea of what they wanted to build so they could really take that first like six, eight months to scout out guys they wanted to fit their system and then build it however they wanted, um, which led to such a productive first City 2 season. Uh, they went all the way to MLS Next Pro Cup, and and I, I think that groundwork that was laid that a lot of people don't really talk about in in building that front office really did a lot of that too, and I, I just think it needs to be stated as well that that was just as important as bringing guys in early so that, like Mike said, they can get settled get involved with each other and build that that bond together while also feeling more at home in that first city two season.
3: And the uh, effects of COVID are important in this. We were supposed to come in with Charlotte, but uh, the team and the league decided they'd put it off a year because of the effects of COVID. It wasn't great for us podcasters that started so early. And that was another year we had to wait, but um, that allowed them to get settled get the stadium built, the training facilities, all of that. That was very important to getting everything up and ready to go. Instead of rushing around like Cincinnati only had like six months to get started, and it showed when they started. Uh, we had a year and a half of advanced planning, and I think that showed as well.
0: One key part that Sean mentioned, um, and I'm going to mention this team, not because they're being talked about a lot right now, is Inter-Miami. Into miami got their full roster first and then got the coach. And it went horrible for the coach. Alonso had a horrible time. They did not. He did not enjoy his stay there. They couldn't get the team together because the coach didn't really have a decision on who to bring in, who to get, how to build the roster. You guys did it the opposite way. You guys brought in your sporting director first. You guys started from the grounds up and who was going to bring in, who you guys needed, where you guys needed to start off. And that's the key part. And I was very vocal about that. And a lot of teams in MLS struggle when it comes to that. But you guys, again, brought it from the grounds up and it has worked perfectly for you. And by the way, coming in a year or two years before your your first game, content-wise congratulations because i'm not sure where you grabbed all the content from
4: <laughs> well we did spend about three or four weeks talking strictly about grass so you know sometimes we were really hurt for content yeah horticulture i believe we named i believe we had three episodes in a row with the name horticulture in the title because yeah, there, it was all about there, grass
2: <laughs> there was a month that was just like architecture updates on the stadium um <laughs> that was just reading press releases um, which was not uh, intellectually stimulating, let me say, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it put us in a good position to cover City Two and the Academy and stuff like that. Which the team got up and running pretty quick.
0: Now that's fantastic. We were talking off air, and you guys have mentioned that nobody could, nobody could have predicted this, right? You guys are in first place. I guess Played Russell. <laughs> Russell. Yeah, <he's laughs> well, even Russell was wrong.
4: He was he he still doubted us a little bit more than than we're showing right now. So. I mean, I, I will say rules. I was close <laughs> yeah. without going over.
2: Russell, that, you, that's, you had, that's fair. You had more faith in <laughs> us than I think we did, and
0: we're fans. <laughs> scoring wise, uh, I like stats. I like looking at stats. Columbus Crew and Atlanta United have more goals than you guys, but top three when it comes to scoring, I'm not gonna go. Or you guys, where th- did you guys think you were gonna be in first place? I'm gonna go. Did you guys think you were gonna have such a great offense attack as you as you do right now? I'll start. I'll s- I. Said, well, I wondered, or before the season
3: started, where we're going to get the goals from. You know, Bradley Carnell was the attacking coach of the Red Bulls back in the day, but the Red Bulls weren't noted for their attack, especially after, you know, they had Bradley Wright Phillips and they got the ball in position. But he's all about the turnover and putting the ball into play and getting to goal directly, immediately. Uh, and it's really paid off. We've got, what is it, 16? MLS uh, goal scores, different goal scores in MLS play 17 in all competitions. No, no, I had no idea. No idea at all that we'd be like this. Nothing at all.
2: I know that Mike in particular gets frustrated when I bring up other sports, but it is a season reminiscent of the 2018-19 St. Louis Blues um, because it is a it's a it's a team effort to score these goals. They're coming from everywhere, from all positions. We've got six goals from center backs on the season. You know, we've got like, what is it? Like 19 we've goals six, from
3: forwards. Um, six or seven goals from a guy that we let, put on loan for half the season. Yeah, yeah we've got <laughs> yeah. seven goals from a Denneron,
4: uh, eight from Klaus, 10 from Joe Achini, So just, the, just our number nines have, what? what is that? 25 goals on the season combined. It's crazy. But then the fact that we still have, what what was it, 13 other guys that have scored goals in MLS competition, it's absolutely crazy. And, I mean, we just added another one uh, midweek last, or not midweek, on Saturday in, in, in Jabaloblom. So it's, I did not expect, I expected it to be scoring by committee, but not quite this level. Um, and like Mason said, you know, I I also like to make comparisons to other St. Louis sports Uh, that 2018-19 season for the Blues. They were also very much counted out and put at the absolute bottom of the league. And everyone's like, they're done. That's it. Game over. Came out of nowhere and blew the doors off the league. Um, And we're seeing exactly that in a much more truncated time frame. Granted, but, you know, it's this is just blowing everything out of the water. I did not expect this many goals. At all, and the fact that we've only got, um, by my count, five PK goals, I believe, and that you know, only two, there's there's Louven has three, Nico has one, and Samadeneron has one. So to only have five PK goals is also a little bit surprising to me, especially considering just how 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 this league can go in in sometimes. But we will get. We will not get into that. <laughs> no, no, we're not getting too far into that. It's it's it. I. It's just is surprising to me, considering how many goal PK goals some some teams have at this point in the season.
0: Russell, one of the great great thing they did is um, they didn't go for a huge European veteran to try to bring in some type of goals or try to bring in some type of play up front. They went for experienced young players, and it's working perfectly for them.
1: Yeah. And I think young players was a really smart decision when you look at Bradley Carnell's system. I was actually just thinking, I wonder if you guys have appeared on that when playing it out of the back goes wrong account more times than you've had a PK (laughs) at this point, because so many goals seem to come from these turnovers where, you know, these older, more veteran experienced players who wouldn't necessarily play this really aggressive high press wouldn't they wouldn't be creating those chances. And I think a lot of teams just aren't, they're not equipped to deal with that style of play.
3: No, early in the season, you could tell they were just lackadaisical. They just expected to get those passes to go. And Klaus especially is extremely good of just hanging around and bursting into a spot and getting a pass like that. The whole team is set up that way.
2: Yeah, we also had that most recent one from a dinner on but there was, like, a good, like, four months in between, like, the last lazy back pass that we took advantage of and that one. Um, yeah, we got a lot of them early on. I'm not going to deny that. Nobody will or should, at least. But teams cottoned on to it really quick. They stopped doing it against us. Um, and then there was, like, yeah, like, four months where, yeah, all those, like, lucky goals. And it's like, oh, well, once their luck dries up, they're going to they're gonna plummet. We didn't. And then and then we get another one, and then once again it's like, oh, we got lazy
4: against St. Louis. Do not do that. <laughs> you see, I I'm not, I, I and I say this all the time on 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 our show. I'm not sure how much of it is they got lazy or they made a bad decision. It's the fact that this style of play, this this hard counter press, is so high pressing and so intensive on the on the team with the ball that they they tire themselves out trying to play their game because we're ma- causing them to think a lot quicker we're causing them to make passes quicker we're we're ex- we're t- making them exert a lot more energy a lot earlier in games and so when it gets into late game they aren't as quick on the on the decision they're not as quick on the pass their touch just isn't quite right and so We may not be getting the quote-unquote gift goals anymore, but we're creating a lot of mistakes, be it in the midfield or in the back, or trying to play out of the back, or any sort of in-possession team, and I mean, when you look at the stats, where I believe we're still top of the table when it comes to goals scored in the last 15 minutes of matches, but we're also third in goals, you know, giving up (laughs) third most goals allowed in the last 15 minutes, live by the press, die by the press, but... Especially when you look at Minnesota, yeah, we we weren't exactly super connected. We were a little bit disjointed in that attack in that first half, but we were still pressing hard. We were still making them run. We were making them use a lot of energy to get to their game, and then late game, the results showed up. It's putting in that groundwork early as it has been since day one that the team was announced. You put that groundwork in early and you're going to see the results down the line. And I think in in the microcosm of the game, we're seeing a lot of that in that in the way that this style of play plays out. And especially the way that Bradley Carnell is deploying the team to do that.
2: Yeah, like we're we're not tricking Kip Keller into passing the ball right to our feet. Jared Stroud using his nickname because they were teammates the year before. (laughs) Yeah, it's been it's been almost the whole season. I think we can kind of admit that. Um, But we're like we're and like we're not getting so lucky as like to have somebody pass it right to Sam Adinaron's head. But we're still we're still pretty top in like turnovers in like the attacking third stuff like that. It it, it, yeah, the press is just working. Those goals, they look embarrassing um, and they they also look incredible. But like the the philosophy works because it is also working on the less impressive, less embarrassing goals.
0: Now going into the roster and I am going to butcher a lot of names. Russell knows this a lot. Um, he does it every time. Uh, Never fails. Uh, we'll help yeah. you. We,
2: we also butcher names. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: don't will do ready. our best to help. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, without Berkey, let's say, let's say you guys didn't pick, had pick up Berkey experienced played for Doris dormant. He has command over that box is aggressive. What about Berkey, do you see the defense or the team from the back starting as well as they're doing this season? No. Uh, I'll also include uh,
3: Joachim Nilsson, the Swedish international that uh, came over when our medium Bielfeld and got uh, relegated from the Bundesliga. We didn't have him until after League's Cup. With those two out, without either one of those two for most of the season... No, I don't. And it's not just Berkey's, you know, shot-stopping ability. It's his distribution, which is top-notch, which you'd expect from with his CV. Um, but it's also, you know, he was the premier signing we had, though he's not a DP. He is our DP. He's a Max Tam signing. But he wanted to regenerate his career. He wanted a place to start. And he has played at a top top level, like he was used to at Borussia Dortmund and demanded that out of the team. No, I do not think without him that we're nearly as good. And it has, you know, just a minority or a third of that or 40 percent is due to his play on the field. It's what he does off the field. He also is the voice. He's he's the leader of the team. He's the face of the team. And we got a great chant for him, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, to gotta that. love that. <laughs> gotta love that cranberries
0: chant. <laughs> no, Sean, it's very rare that you hear uh, a new club, expansion club, come in with a DP that's not a striker, or that's not a midfielder, and rather be a goalkeeper instead.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, and I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even just put that on on new teams coming to the league. It's, it's just very rare in this league specifically. That you spend a bunch of money on your back end, period. Regardless of if they're DP or not, you you know you don't see a lot of guys with max tam deals being on the back line or or, or in the net for you. Um, but the fact that we went out and got arguably one of the best, captaining in 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 the sense of controlling the back line and and seeing the game on a different level, he's Berkey just has great field sense. Um, he can see the pitch a lot better than than most goalies in this league and can set the defense he really drives the guys to be better and he's even when they make a good play he'll give them the props but then he'll you know give them a little bit like hey we still got to be better you got you know and, and give them some sort of criticism on top of it uh but seeing him in in tandem with his vice captain tim parker the way that they set the defense they set the formation and and build out of the back even though we're winning the ball a lot higher up the pitch it's Absolutely wonderful to see uh, the communication is is there and it's strong. And that's a very key component for any team, regardless of what style you play, to be able to communicate what the keeper's seeing because he can see everything. Whereas, you know, when you're dribbling on the ball in the midfield, you kind of only see the, the couple of guys around you. You don't see behind you. Vision's a little bit limited in actually out there. Uh, but Berkey's doing a very good job of keeping everybody together and, and, and getting the the formation intact, even though it seems a little bit fluid, a lot, a lot of it fluid
3: really, uh, throughout the game. And our DPs are Jao Klaus and Edu Leuven. We didn't know, we didn't know much about them. Jao Klaus was of, uh, uh, the lone brigade that goes over in Europe. Leuven was not getting the starting position he wanted. They were out of contract. They came over. Those two are actually DPs only because there was transfer fees involved. Berkey came on a free, Joachim Nielsen came on a free, Ostrak, so many of them that came from Europe came on free transfers. In other words, they gave up other opportunities in Europe and decided to come to MLS and decided to come with Lutz Feinenstiel and um, the project they had in St. Louis. And uh, I have to say that our gorgeous, gorgeous uh, facilities, all on one same footprint, training, pitches, the academy, everything's on one footprint in the midtown of the city, it had a lot to do with that as well. Um, so it was brilliant marketing and Luch Fine and Steel knowing he was going to play this style, and his extensive knowledge of scouting and uh, being sporting director at Hoffenheim really played a big part into our success. I think even more than we suspected, even in the weeks leading up, though there was a great big buzz. In preseason around this team coming out of camp, um, if not nationwide, the team itself was really high
0: on their possibilities this year. Russell, and they had Vermees available. They could have gone for him like you guys did. No, 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 no. That never would have (laughs) worked. That never would have worked. First of all, PV is basically... He is...
4: SKC. He is the essence of SKC, and anyone that says otherwise is incorrect. He for better <laughs> and for worse. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, when the fans are upset with the team, they're really just upset with PV because he has full and total control of that. He's got a, 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 a vice grip on, on everything that is that club.
0: <laughs> uh, Mason, earlier was mentioned Tim Parker.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He has five goals. Second captain, I believe, right? Yeah, um, vice captain. Grade him from A to an F his season so far.
2: Oh, um, uh, what's my rubric here? Uh, so, <laughs> um, all around. yeah.
0: I, I, I know he was with Dynamo, right? If yeah, and he,
2: he, yeah, and we we got him from Dynamo pretty cheaply. Right. Um, I think what we flipped LaCava for Gam, and then paid Gam for for Parker.
4: I um, believe so. So, so yeah. let me
0: switch the question then. What have you loved from him compared to where he was with Dynamo? Because with Dynamo, unfortunately, it did not go oh. as well. And Dynamo was struggling. Dynamo was struggling to his defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's um it's pretty obvious that Tim Parker likes playing this high energy style, right? Um, because he thrived at Red Bulls and he's thriving here, and he did not look great at Dynamo. But uh, what have I loved from Tim Parker? Just about everything, honestly. He's uh he's very aggressive at center back. He will he's he's like a sweeper center back almost. He will go out all the way like to the midline stripe um to to make defensive plays, which a lot of people think is very dangerous and all that. But I I like that about him, especially when we have um like when we had Kyle Hebert in, or now that we have Nilsson back, those more stay-at-home center backs that let. Uh, Parker go and roam free and make those big challenges and break up plays before they get to the defensive line. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's really good. He's just he's really good at his job. And he's also he's getting rewarded on his on the score sheet because he had what like two professional goals before he got here. Mm. And then he's gotten four this season um, because they are running up plays where Leuven will like, you know, corner kick plays Leuven feeds the ball into the box and Parker gets uh, gets himself unmarked, runs into the box, and heads it in. And we ran that play successfully like four times. I, on a grade, I have to give him an A. Um, it depends on what your rubric is, but I, I, I love watching Parker play.
3: And David and Mason, uh, to add to that, he is a premier MLS veteran on our team, and that has meant a lot, especially with all the Europeans we brought in, to have somebody with a voice like him that's been around the M- MLS block had big success at uh, Red Bulls when they were successful got the big contract with Houston was on a losing team he comes to this place and he's just feeling refreshed he's found his voice he's older it's meant a ton a ton hot maybe maybe
1: not a hot take but spicy question is tim parker being hard done by the media to not be in defensive player of the year conversation more than he is.
3: Ooh, mm.
4: Ooh that's, that's an interesting question. Yes. Um, yes, I, w- I would, I would on the radar. You. Yeah, he's not on the radar and he really should be, um, the amount of last minute, last ditch efforts he's put in to, to save goals on multiple occasions in multiple games. The amount that he s- works with Berkey to set up that back line and get the formation set from the back out—it's instrumental to what we want to do with this system. Um, and I mean, even back when he was centered paired with uh, Kyle Hebert for so long, Kyle Hebert also does that very well. And it got Kyle Hebert—you know—he got—he got looks from the Canadian national team. So I, he got I think called but, up by the Canadian national team. He did. Bench. I don't know <laughs> if he actually ended up getting played, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, But no, I I think anyone that well, maybe not anyone, but I I think Tim Parker being the mainstay of that of that center back pairing for so long and being so instrumental to the to the formation of this team and and the style of play that we want to play. I think he needs to have some sort of inclusion in that conversation, even though, you know, he's not the big name everyone talks about when you when it comes to defenders because he doesn't score as much. And that seems to be a big thing in a lot of sports nowadays is. You're, you're only a good defender if you can defend and score at the same time. And I have opinions on that, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast.
2: No, I mean, he also has four goals as, as a center back, but, um, no, I, I don't think that he should win, but I think he should be in the conversation. Um, Oh, absolutely. He has been a phenomenal defender. Um, he deserves looks. I don't think he should win, but he deserves some nods.
3: The media is remembering his time at Houston, not his time at the Red Bulls.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mike mentioned something very, very important. St. Louis got Parker a MLS veteran. That's the key part to an expansion team. getting somebody who knows the league. getting somebody in a who defense in, in a defense especially, you go back to one of a, a expansion team like Atlanta United. some other success was because Nagby was there. having played in Portland, having't had the experience of knowing how the league is. And it helps tremendously. Now, we're going to stick with MLS, with, with, of course, MLS, with the defense. I was looking at some stuff, and I'm going to pro- mispronounce the names here, but you guys tell me why this is going on. Is, is there a set four in the back, or is it just rotation wise? Is it too many games? I saw Watts, Yarrow, Parker, and he- Herbert, Hebert, if I'm pronouncing that name he- right. Hebert. 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 Sorry. Hebert. And then I saw Hebert, Nilsson, Yarrow, Norwinsky. I keep yeah. seeing rotations in the back. Our
2: our defensive line is uh, a point of depth. It's not super
4: deep, but it's where we're kind. Of, we're we
2: have we have good options there. Specifically,
4: but, um, the the depth issue is out is out wide, not centrally. Centrally, we've got too many center backs.
2: <laughs> yeah, but um, in um in the last game against Minnesota. I don't really know why um, Tim Parker didn't even make the bench. I guess just give him a day off. Rest. He is a new, he is a new dad, um, so you know maybe give him time with his kid. Um, Joachim Nilsson is still rehabbing a little bit from his injury. Um, he's he's gotten some full nineties under his belt and he's done well, but he's also he's getting a little tightness and some muscles and stuff. So he is still rehabbing. Makes sense for him to not be there. Um, so Yarrow and Bell um are are kind of backups and I think that um Bell especially when he has gotten play because he has not gotten a lot has shown out pretty well um I almost want to say that we were under under underutilizing him but like we have kind of a glut of center backs there's just too many of them to play them all Yarrow is a big fan favorite because he's very charismatic he loves the fans and he was captain of the city two team last year um, when we went to the when we won the Western Conference in MLS Next Pro, he's a big fan favorite. He also plays well. I, I I'm gonna say it; those guys are not up to the snuff of Parker and Nilsson. They are pretty obviously like our like quote unquote B tier players, um, but they're they're good. They're solid, rock steady center backs. Out wide, Nerwinski very defensive. A lot of city fans kind of dog on Nerwinski. I push back on that because he's he plays a defensive role and he does very good at it. He also got an assist in the last game, so you know if you are dogging on him because of his you know attacking prowess, look at that ball that he laid in. Just look at it. Watts is a is kind of an army knife guy. He can play a lot of different roles, but we've been playing him out wide because he is more attacking oriented. Hebert is a natural center back that we converted to left back because our starting left back, Johnny Nelson, was doing pretty poorly. And Hebert has done exactly as he has to in that role. Um, I have no issues with Hebert, but it's a role that could use improvement, I suppose. Um, Hebert has been great in that position, but it's not his position. We also picked up Anthony Markanic from the from the rapids and marcanic is actually fantastic on attack <laughs> um and very good on um on defense so i think we're going to see a lot more of marcanic going forward i think he was just getting rested we were just rotating him
3: mason you forgot the most important name in all this and that's bradley carnell who has uh, fostered Uh, The ability for all of these people, no matter where they are on the roster, to feel like they can earn it in training. And where you get the rotation is uh, he'll fit it to the game plan, but he's only going to put in people that have earned it. And as they've earned it, they get to play. And they have mostly excelled when they've had the chance. Having Joachim Nielsen with his great experience out because of a knee injury that he sustained in, I believe, December before the season started while he was on the national team for Sweden. Uh, Not having him for uh, eight months uh, opened up something in the center part of the defense. That's where we found Kyle Hebert, who made the best 11 in MLS Next Pro last year and um, really has opened eyes. He's one of the surprises of the season for us. But uh, really what it comes down to is every position on the field, for the most part, is up for competition. And Carnell is not afraid to play deep into his roster and has all season. And that puts him in good space for the playoffs because all this experience deep in the roster, anybody gets hurt. And that has happened during the season. We've got people that can step up and have succeeded, know they can succeed, and that sets us up well for the playoffs.
0: One thing, Russell, uh, that um, Mike mentioned as well, um, I believe it was Mike, MLS teams usually don't have a deep roster or a depth in general, but uh, San Louis, when it comes to uh, the back line, it looks like it does, and they've been able to rotate and have these players come with some minutes and some confidence into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially for the style of system that Carnell runs, and what you ask of a center back to do in this league. I mean, whether for better or worse, so many teams go out and they drop that big money on strikers. They drop them on attacking midfielders, wingers, the guys that center backs, left backs, right backs, full backs, you know, your defensive players have to deal with these guys nonstop. And in Carnell's system, you're tacking on this high energy sort of system that you're asking out of them in addition to that. And Being able to rotate there, I think, has been a key aspect of what has allowed St. Louis to actually stay relatively injury free, it seems, because, I mean, yeah, you guys rotate, but it's not necessarily because someone's out with this, you know, month and a half long injury.
2: There's a lot of that is goes into kind of like smart roster building because we have two DPs. It's Klaus and Leuven. They are DPs because we had to pay transfer fees on them. Uh, their salaries are kind of maxed hams. Berkey is a maxed ham. Otherwise, we, re- we got all of our guys on freeze and paid not that much for them. We, we got a bunch of cheap guys that nobody else wanted that Lutz in particular saw a lot of promise in. It was like, if I get these guys and they feel energized and equipped to to handle this and, you know, encouraged to handle this, they can break out. And so, you know, with those, like, three exceptions, went out and got got those guys. And all credit to him, he's been right.
4: Yeah, and, I mean, specifically, <clears throat> one guy specifically that, that comes to mind that, that fits that mold exponentially is uh, Nico Jokini. Because he was brought into Orlando, and they said, you're going to be a big part of our plans. And then after a couple games, they benched him immediately, and he did not see much of the field. And uh, I think part of that has to do with the fact that he was playing in the wrong system. And I think a lot of sporting directors and coaches in this league specifically, they go out and get players that are good in the position that they need filled, but they don't they don't pay as much attention to skill set and how that fits into their system at that position. Whereas Lutz and Carnell... And even to, to a, a, another extent, John Hackworth, they, the three of them get together, they, they go out and they went, went out and found guys that would fit the system, that have played in the system before, that have the skill sets they want, that don't necessarily maybe play that specific position they're trying to fill, but have the skill set to do so in this system. Um, so they went out and got guys like Nico Jokini. They picked up Jared Stroud and Tim Parker, who were both effectively benched in Texas, And said, you know what? We want you guys because you know the system. You've played in that before. You know how it works. And I believe Stroud and Parker both played at Red Bulls with Bradley Carnell at some point. So, you know, they know the coach as well. They got guys that fit the system, have the skill set, and don't necessarily have to be in one specific spot on the field either. So that that further places the rotation aspect of it as well. They just It was just really, really adept 4D chess level roster building.
3: Yeah, that's that's the thing. The key is Lutz, Find, and Steal, and it doesn't have to be an expansion team. How often have we seen it in MLS? Teams that do not have a defined idea of identity of how they want to play and who they are. This team, from the very get-go, before they ever signed a player, had Lutz, Find, and Steal that had a defined idea of exactly how they're going to play, the players he wanted, and... uh, I think he found that Moneyball aspect, too. I know I can find young people that know how to play this that have not been in the best environments, pick them up and see, watch them shine in my system. I think AZL Jackson, coming over from Minnesota, he grew up in the Red Bull system as well, personifies exactly how that works uh, for Lutz and his uh, grand design. So is
0: Moneyball Soccer Edition coming out soon? <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have to see how this season ends. We'll we'll have to see how the season ends first. If
4: it ends the way that you know, I you know, some people are now per, some people have gone from one one extreme to the other and are going from your last in the league to I'm not going to say it. Uh, knock on wood, <laughs> but uh, it maybe we might we might see a Moneyball aspect. Lutes, of it. I'm, 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 as I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't a mind book. a documentary as Who long plays? as it's actually focused on the team and not you know <laughs> outside off the pitch stuff like. Who like plays Who plays Lutz in MLS Moneyball?
2: Because I say Mads Mickelson. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> I know, I know. But
3: good Lutz question. has already written a book, so uh, when he's oh, done with yeah. MLS, don't be surprised if he writes one about this as well. We just really hope it's years
0: and not a year away. I keep hearing free transfers, players nobody wanted, spending little. So that means St. Louis' pockets are still full. They really haven't spent much. They spent a lot on the stadium out of their own pockets and they also
3: funded them. Um, all those European players are highest price players mostly mm-hmm. um, through half of an MLS next pro season last year. So I don't expect you to see them open the wallet. Plus, Lutz is not looking for that. If he finds somebody and he can get them, he might open the wallet. But I think for the most part, you're going to still see, and I, uh, An eye on young, hungry players. That's been his mantra since the first interview he had when he got the job.
0: You guys, I was, was going to talk about um, Lewin, and I was going to talk about Klaus, but you guys already mentioned them here. So I'm going to go to the formation. All right, I know everyone has a different style of formation they prefer. I mean, every time I play FIFA, I'm changing it up all the time. Um, but I've seen right, against the LAFC, I saw a 4-3-1-2 four, four, against the Loons. I saw a four-two-three-one, Orlando four-one-two-one-two, and against Austin a four-four-one-one. Mike, as a follower of San Louis, uh, what formation have you seen that works the best for them, or what formation do you see um, them moving forward with that you think is going to take them could take them deep into the playoffs? It's uh,
3: difficult to say because everything's so fluid in this system, but it's definitely four in the back. You're going to have Jabola Bloom as your central defensive midfielder. He's been very good and highly underrated. Edward Leuven is the box-to-box. You're going to have a couple more midfielders supporting as, like, wingers. And then you're going to have two strikers up top for the most part. Also, uh, playing a bit of a diamond, which Bradley Carnell adopted this season. He never had used it before. He found out that worked in the system quite well to give them width, before they were very tight centrally and could be beaten defensively on the wings. He went to a more of a diamond shape, and that gave him more defensive prowess on the on the far on the outside and covering space. But basically, that's basically it. It is no matter how it breaks down and how you want to do it, it's basically four in the back, four in the midfield, two up top. That's the way we generally play the best. You could break it down into other ways, but that's kind of how it works out. And
4: I've I've seen it mentioned uh, at multiple points during the season, whether it's in a, a, a post game press or pre game press, or even just comments on the side. That I, I don't think Bradley Carnell is looking at it at the formation so much as a you know a traditional. Setup of like a four-two-three-one or or even a four-four-two. He's he's said before it's a four-two-two-two, two, two. and I think that's that allows him to have the flexibility of having a, a, a wide U-shaped four in the midfield or a diamond four in the midfield, where he's looking at players that interact with each other strict, you know, more often than others. So you've got the four across the back, obviously. Then you have your two central midfielders as the one-two. You have your two wide midfielders, and then your two main attackers. So I I think he's looking at it more in you know how are these two pairs working with each other and then how do those pairs match up with the other pairs in that more forward-minded attack. But what's what I think is an intriguing little tidbit on it is when it comes to that back four, it's not uncommon to see one of those wing backs, the outside backs, fly forward and, and get involved in that attack, and it basically becomes a back three. And I think that's part of why we've excelled so far, so for so long with Kyle Hebert out on left back. Um, Sure, he can get into the attack, but when he's stays back and plays that at home defensive style, he can slot slot back in a little bit more centrally in his more comfortable role. Allow the right side, uh, you know, the, the right side back to fly forward, throw an extra number in the attack, and and still have three very solid stay at home defenders ready to take on whatever counter we have to we have to deal with. So it's it's it the fluidity is a big part of it, but when it comes down to the to the to the formation it's it's a it's a four in the back and then pairings up top and how they just interact with each other and and move around each other
3: and what you might find interesting, David, is Bradley Carnell never wants to hear anyone called a winger in our system. he does not play with wingers he plays with attacking midfielders he does not like the
0: term winger at all. Get the wrestle. No more wingers attacking <laughs> midfielders from now on. <laughs> wingers
1: we, are banned. All we got to do is just do uh, a bunch of eights.
4: Every team is just going to run three eights now. Hey, if it works, it works, man. Don't don't <laughs> knock it till you try it, I guess. Yeah. I,
2: I have a copy of Inverting the Pyramid over there. I can go and look up some extremely esoteric positions if we want to get into that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's getting into talking about hockey and, and talking about the rover position when there used to be six out skaters and one goalie. Now, that was a nightmare, but different sport, different podcast. <laughs>
0: We've talked about how you know, the team has done great attacking-wise, defender, uh, defensive-wise, midfield, your uh, two DPs that you have, goalkeeper-wise and all. Now, looking at the potential, potential teams that you might face, teams that we know are good, that have a good attacking line, teams that are going to put up a fight compared to the season you're having, I'm talking LAFC, I'm talking Orlando, I'm talking Sounders, third place, I believe, third place in the West. Uh, Nashville, great attack. Resorts haven't gone the best this year when it comes to those teams. Have you guys paid a little more attention to them? Do you think those could be teams that could give you trouble moving forward if you were to face them in the playoffs? LAFC
3: possession teams can give us trouble. Um, We did show with the nil-nil draw at home, well-fought match that we figured out something, and we actually played LAFC quite well for about 70 minutes. Then they got the goal, we got stretched, and they scored three. Uh, That scoreline flattered them a little, but they sure did dominate us once um, we went all, and Bradley Carnell will go all out to get that equalizing goal. He doesn't care if the score is 1-0 or 4-0. He's going to go to go get those goals. Um, Orlando They got a late penalty. No, we weren't that happy with. That gave them their advantage. That was played straight up. Sounders, we caught when they were very good early in the season. Played them very well for about 65 minutes. Again, that theme of they scored, we pushed forward, and they got the best of us before we could get the goal. Um, Nashville at home, not a great game. Uh, We got Mooktard in that one. They didn't have a lot of chances, but uh they took the chances they had very well. We've had games where we have done the same to other teams and beat them up. But yes, uh those are particular teams that uh worry me and we'll find out more about the Sounders here late in the season. Our last match at home is against the Sounders. So we'll find out a little something we'll find out a little something the next to last the penultimate match of the season when we go to Vancouver to play against them and see if we can hold them off and see if we can use our grit and determination in playing a full 90 to get to them and of course we got Sporting Kansas City which has become our big rival and i i'm sure this is going to last that's our next match and uh that's a that's a derby game so throw everything out the window on that one <laughs>
2: Yeah, I uh, I don't want to add on too much, but um, Orlando, if I speak about what I actually think, I will get mad. So I'm going to gloss over Orlando. I think Nashville is kind of the only team that just beat us straight up. They just were better than us and they beat us. Um, we held our own, I think, admirably against LAFC and Seattle in those first two games, like in, in those games um, for a long stretch. And then, like Mike said, they got the opening goal, and then we went all out to get the equalizer. And it doesn't matter if we lose by one or by four. you know, It's better to try to get a draw or a win.
3: I'd also throw Columbus into that list of teams I don't really want to face. Yeah,
2: yeah, Columbus. Um, But also, we have already had our rematch against LAFC at home, and we drew them nil-nil, and that looked... I think kind of like what you could expect if we faced LAFC in the playoffs. Um, very cagey game and a very well-fought game. Yeah. I think both of those teams looked pretty good, like actually looked really good considering that it was a midweek game. Both, both squads were t- very tired. Um, not, maybe not necessarily the result we wanted, but a very important uh, point for us to pick up. And then, yeah, on decision day, we faced Seattle at home. Yeah, you know, I don't think that we are a bad road team, but no team is really that good on the road in MLS and we are very good at home. So, we'll have to see.
4: Yeah, looking look when you look at the records though, um I think I think we're still in like the top 5 as far as road teams go because we've picked up a lot of draws on the road recently. Um and at home, we're best in the West. <laughs> like that that's just how it is. Um but I, I think it needs to be stated, though, that those games against that against Seattle and against LAFC that we got beaten late in the game were very early on in the season, fairly early on in the season. And we just saw against Minnesota, sure, they're terrible at home, but we saw a, a resilience from this team instead of going down a goal and throwing everything forward. They were a little bit more measured in it, and that was something that I was worried about from the, from the get-go in the entire with the entire system is being measured in your attack and and not just throwing everything in recklessly and then becoming vulnerable to being beaten at the end of a game or being taken down later on or you know just giving up stupid mistakes like we see when we you know press a team really hard uh we've gotten a lot better at measuring we've been able to come back i think that was our fourth comeback victory of the season so it's we're definitely improving, and seeing improvement in this first season was really the the number one thing we all wanted to see was to see improvement on decision day, a, a concrete improvement over where we started. And I'm seeing that, especially you know going down a goal, we're not just giving up; we're gonna fight back now. But we're not doing so recklessly that we allow four, five, six goals, and but we're trying to get the one. I I
2: will say the improvement we were expecting to see was from like like 10th to
4: like fifth, not from first to clear first. <laughs> well, yes, but still improvement is improvement. And seeing a, a an improvement, especially and 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 that's one of the final touches of a truly great team is is the improvement from getting in getting in that first goal and being able to, you know, hold out a game. A truly great team can do that, but they also have the ability to if they give up that first goal, come back and get the three points at the end of the day and really resolve themselves, steal their nerves, and come back and get that extra goal, not just to get the one, but to get the three on top of it. So seeing signs of that being possible in this league with this team is very promising. Not saying that makes us truly great at this moment in time, but we're making steps towards that that position, and that's that's very promising. And if we can continue with this roster bill with, with building the roster the same way and getting a lot of the same effort out of guys. And, and once we start seeing more, more heavily involved Academy players, like when Miguel Perez finally makes that last breakthrough into first team, you know, we could see a lot of great improvement and get to that level that had, you know, like the teams that have the academies like Philadelphia union or FC Dallas that have those really good academies, specifically the union that, that, have that on-field product really paying dividends for them in the league. Um, so we're taking a lot of those steps now and a lot earlier than I was expecting to see. So that's it's great to see
0: f- from all aspects of the game. And, and Russell, uh, Mike mentioned Mukhtar. Facing Nashville when Mukhtar's on fire is not easy. No, I mean,
1: Mukhtar won the MVP last year for a reason. And I would argue he probably should have won it the year before, but carl's heel had such an amazing start to the season and summer that it didn't matter how he finished the season
2: we, we know who Mukhtar is right. there's a reason he's <laughs> my captain
1: on fantasy every week you never know what's gonna happen oh you're not using Messi? that's a bold choice
4: Oh, no, I don't need Messi when I've when I've got Mukhtar and a couple of other. I picked up. I did pick up three inner Miami players that were doing pretty hot after Messi came in. So I think I'm going to be doing okay. I think I'm in the middle of of both my leagues right now. Messi is also not on my fantasy team, but that's
2: because I haven't checked my fantasy team since week 15.
1: (laughs) One of the items that I want to talk about as well that you kind of all touched on is your home record. And especially as you guys have clinched a playoff spot and we're nearing the playoffs, we're nearing this wonderful postseason. Do you guys have increased expectation now that we're so close to the postseason and knowing your unbelievable home form and knowing just how difficult travel is in MLS? Would you say that you're going into postseason thinking we should make it to the finals of our conference at minimum? You bet you. I
0: didn't add into in that, in that question because he's, he's going to take the last question I had. Basically, one of the last questions I had. He's saying, if, "Are you going in confidence? If something happens in the first round, the season's not a failure."
2: Oh no, absolutely not. Um, I am not as much uh, counting chickens as Mike is, but I I think that we like if we keep a a uh, a first uh you know a a home game playoff advantage for the first round even if we drop to like 4th which would take a pretty spectacular fall if we fall to like 4th and we still have home field advantage in the first round we clear the first round easy um we are making the second round no problem i don't want to count too many chickens before they hatch so i don't really want to speculate too too far forward but um this season is already a, a tremendous success. Um, it it does not matter what happens from here, really. We all thought that like the best that we could maybe do was was a wild card spot. And we are currently leading the West. Um, it is blown expectations out of the water. Um, nobody could have asked for anything better than this.
4: Yeah, there's there's really nothing that this team could do at this point outside of, you know, in the winter window, selling off literally everybody and starting all over again. That could make this season anything short of an absolute resounding success. Everything that's happened from coaching decisions to bringing in the right academy players at the right time to rebounding from any sort of injury. uh, It's it's all been great success.
2: (laughs) Even winning five games in a row to start the season and then all the laminate posts start coming out. Even that, like we won the season five games in, basically.
4: <laughs> yeah, but no it's it's been a resounding success. Um, going into playoffs, knowing how strong we are at home, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of in between May- Mason and Mike on this one. Um, I'm absolutely not counting out the fact that we could easily make the 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 Cup final. Um, because if we make the Western Conference final, I think we're making the Cup final. But in my in, and that's my heart talking. Uh, when I make predictions on, on our show, I like to do my head and what my heart says. My heart says we're making the cup final. My head says be ready to go into that first that first round and have a team that's hungry, that's already in playoff playoff form and is coming out fighting and literally has their back to the wall every single game. You're going to have a fight on your hands. It's not out of the question to be knocked out. I wouldn't be surprised if either result happens. Um, I think more than likely we're going to win that first round series because three games with two of them being at home and just how strong of a fortress the pit has become, as I affectionately call City Park, um, just how strong of a fortress that's become. It's more than likely we will make it out of that first round. Um, Again, my heart says we're making the cup final. My head says temper those expectations and don't be surprised at any point when you if slash when you get knocked out.
3: It's also a success because the front office has done such a good job of getting everything in line. Um, The supporters have done such a great job of creating an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, And uh, there's been no great missteps along the way, which, knock on wood, that continues. Of course, that won't. But to get through it so far from the beginning till now, an unqualified success. MLS is going to MLS on the field. But um, the way that they, what's in the control of the club has been done except, exemplary, it's been exemplary.
0: Now, Sean, I'm going to go to you then, Mason, and then Mike. We've talked about from the goalkeeper all the way up to the strikers. Who is your team MVP, in your My opinion? team MVP? Your, your player, yeah, MVP
4: in that Ooh. roster. It's got to be Blom. It's 100% Blum, 100% of the time. And that's not just because he got his first professional goal of his career a- across any league on Saturday. Uh, he's been the absolute rock in the midfield. He goes into tackles. He wins balls. He can you know, cut back and dribble around guys. He makes great passes. Uh, he's great defensively. He gets involved in the offense. He's all over the field. He shuts down the best center attacking mids that – you know he, he does a very good job at at least making them work very hard for what they get in the games. He's so important, and the few games that he's been out, we've looked absolutely lost, and the midfield has been disjointed. And that's the main linchpin of everything we want to do: is having a strong midfield, winning that ball high up the pitch, and press pressing the the opposing team's midfield and back line with our midfielders. And so, not having that rock that that anchor in the middle that sets ev- that sets everything up for success he may not be on the score sheet but he is absolutely doing all the intangible stuff that you need to do to really have everything be solidly put together to build out and and have a good counter-attacking team although you know Berkey having 100 saves is also really important too but for me personally Blom is just as important if not more so because without him we're not scoring nearly as many goals because we're not winning as many possessions and we're not putting enough pressure on their midfield to give us those costly turnovers in the midfield.
2: My pick was also going to be Blom. So I have some numbers ready, but I'll pick a different player. Um, But so Sean said like, yeah, we play so much better when Blom's on the field. And like, you know, when we don't have Blom on the field, we don't look so good. I was ready to talk about Blom. I've got numbers ready here. Thank you. You're, you're backing (laughs) me up with this one. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we have played 18 games with Blom starting we have an 11-3-4 record. Um, that is a 72.2% winning percentage when he starts. When Blom does not start, we have a 5-7-1 and one record <laughs> at 13 games played for a 42.3. It, it's Blom. Blom is, he is a complete difference maker, whether he hits any stat sheets or not. I'm going to take the other low-hanging fruit here and leave Mike in the lurch. It's Edward Leuven. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Levin... no, there's, there's still a third option. Mike's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's Edward Leuven. Edward Leuven is, I think, probably the most skilled player we have on the pitch, uh, the most impressive player we have on the, on the pitch. He has six goals and 11 assists for 17 goal contributions. Pretty clearly leading the team on that one, especially him and Blom together as that double pivot in the back in the midfield is a lethal combination. Um, Leuven, uh, we all you know paid a pretty penny for him. He's one of our DPs, but he has proven to be a successful pickup. Um, and it really does not matter who you ask, he's he's fantastic.
3: Yeah, for mine, well. I was going to go to Leuven. Leuven's fantastic. Here we uh, are just taking each box other's Box-to-box midfielder. <laughs> but I also got to give a shout to the other DP, Jal Klaus. Missed half the season, has eight goals. His ability to work on defense and do that forward press has really given us a lot of opportunities, put defenses under pressure, caused turnovers. But just his, you know, he's Brazilian, and... His ability to finish and the work with his feet, whether it's passing, uh, taking a dummy as he did for one fine goal, uh, or you know uh, laying off, passing, seeing what's going on, ability to make the run far exceeded expectations. If he stays healthy, he could be. You know, MLS is made up of difference makers and people that can score goals. Jao Klaus his mindset on the training pitch in the game and his ability to make that run and put in a fantastic finish when you really need it. I'd have to say that he's uh Leuven's the MVP. Klaus is our difference maker. I'll put it that way.
0: Running down to my two last questions here. And maybe Russell has more. You make it to the conference final. Right, let's say you say you make it to the conference final. I love seeing an spectacular game and MLS gives me that every playoff every playoff season. Who do you want to face that you know is gonna give you that game? <laughs> I think we all know the answer to
2: this one. <laughs> okay. Very important question. Which one do we want to play or which one do you think will be the most the most fun game? Which like, one is gonna give you the
0: the, the game of the postseason? It's going to be for the neutral. Spectacular.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Because I, all right. So let me go ahead and say this. All three of us. We want St. Louis versus SKC.
4: Uh, we it's want not going to happen. We'll end up hitting them in like first or second round just yeah. because of how the brackets work. But yeah,
2: but we want St. Louis
4: versus SKC. We want oh, to yeah. beat them
2: in this Derby in the playoffs. We want to kick their face in and say we win. <laughs> um, I want, I want a grudge <laughs>
4: match. For that final spot, and and just to just to put insult to injury, you know, it goes to PKs, and Berkey finally saves some PKs, and Tim Melia gets put in his place. Love Melia, <laughs> great keeper, great shot stopper, great on PKs. But to have a, a goalie that has not yet saved an MLS PK to win a playoff game on PKs would be so fantastic.
2: <laughs> To give a, a more honest answer, LAFC and the Sounders would be a lot of fun. Houston, I think. Us versus Houston. Um, I think that is kind of a sleeper hit for best best Western Conference lineup. I
0: was not expecting Houston. I was expecting a different end, except Houston, to be honest with you.
3: I don't want to face Houston. Houston's really hot right now. We did get the draw on the road, a big draw on the road here late in the season they're playing extremely well. <laughs> I
2: also don't want to face Houston. I think it would be the most fun matchup.
3: <laughs> yeah, I But I think the one for the neutral, it's got to be LAFC. I mean, if you get a midweek game late in the season and you got Giorgio Chiellini doing a bicycle kick trying to get a <laughs> win, um we haven't scored against them. We played them very well in LA. It took a bad-looking scoreline, but played pretty well. We played a heck of a game midweek at home. It was a nil-nil draw. We haven't scored against them yet. Um, that's noted. Uh, but if we can get a goal, they get a goal. We got the talent. We match up pretty well. I think that would be a heck of a game, and I think the neutrals would love to see that.
4: I, I do think that... in it, the, the I, I think the best game for the neutrals would be City versus LAFC, the two best teams for are arguably the entire season in the western conference coming down in the western conference final playing each other uh it's it it would get huge viewership um i think city park would be absolutely stacked to the brim they'd find extra ways to get sro tickets sold out so that we could oversell the stadium and actually get it full downtown every single bar is going to have the game on every single bar is going to be shoulder to shoulder it would be great for the city it's great for the neutrals it, i i i think it'd be amazing although i do i do kind of agree with mason in that i think it'd be a very fun sleeper hit match to be playing houston don't want to do that but i think it'd be i think it'd be fun cuz i i think there's a little bit more bad blood between us and houston and and going into playoffs especially it takes rivalries and kicks them up another notch so those that bad blood just gets you know goes up exponentially in those playoff matchups and i think that'd be a really fun one for sure
2: well, and also I think that St. Louis versus LAFC would be really fun if you like tense defensive nil-nil draws. Uh, St. Louis versus Houston is going to be an offensive firework, which I think will be more fun to watch.
0: Russell, they're giving Houston a lot of um, props. Do you think Messi's in trouble tomorrow? I
1: saw on social media today that Messi might not even start tomorrow. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, if Messi
1: doesn't
4: start, Houston is dead donzo so when it comes to U.S. Open Cup. I hate to say it, <laughs> or no, Miami's Houston's done if That's Houston. what I meant to at say. Home
3: is devastating. Yes. they won't play us at home in the playoffs. My,
0: my final question here, and this is uh, again for the neutral. Because if I was to ask you who you want to face again, you would probably uh, give me a Colorado Rapids here. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> no, wouldn't no, everybody? No, no. Wouldn't <laughs> everybody?
2: No, actually, actually, I think the
0: honest answer might be
2: Toronto. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no san jose well no 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 Co- colorado's already eliminated toronto still technically is not no <laughs> so. toronto's no, also eliminated gone. i think they're
0: the going oh that's worse. right yeah toronto's
2: yeah. worse than colorado
0: <laughs> you pass the conference final you face someone from the east cincinnati russell cincinnati has been doing great as you mentioned atlanta has been hot the crew are uh, the crew are scoring for the neutral what final if san luis makes it to the final what final will be who who would you want to face that will give you that game of one to remember in MLS? Atlanta. Well, Cincinnati, Orlando. Orlando. I forgot about
3: Orlando, Orlando. Orlando. We match up pretty well with Orlando. We beat Cincinnati 5-0 at home, but that was after a two and a half hour weather delay.
0: I was yeah. at that game. So great to, time. Yeah. Can, you re- can you repeat that again for Russell? He didn't hear.
3: Uh, we beat Cincinnati 5-0 at home. Like, oh, I was not live. able to watch no. that one. R- that was also when <laughs> Apple went down
1: on all their. TV oh, yes. Yeah. Russell, you are, are you a Cincinnati there. fan? I live in Cincinnati. I am a Cincinnati fan.
2: Uh, Ooh. Um, <laughs> how plugged in are you in, into the drama?
1: <laughs> I was not surprised to see that drama from that particular source. Okay, got Okay. okay, that, that's what we that's thought well. that's all we needed to, that's all we needed to
2: see, okay. Uh, I no, do no, no, just I... want to say though, snitch tagging the Pope is next level again,
1: you you follow Cincinnati <laughs> social media long enough you you know the tricks of some of the accounts on there,
2: yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yep. oh, oh, personally, no bad blood
1: <laughs> I look, I would love to face St. Louis in the final if Cincinnati and St. Louis both got there. I think it would be very fun. I mean yeah, it's, one, really it's 1 versus 1 boy.
4: that's what it looks like right <laughs> I I think that would be a very very exciting final uh it'd be a high scoring affair for sure I guarantee it that game's going to open up real quick um Lucho Acosta Costa against Aduluvin and and, and Joao Klaus it's going to be an absolute fireworks show um I think a bit of a sleeper a sleeper game for this one would be that that matchup against the Philadelphia Union um cuz they also can be quite high powered offense they've got really solid defense and watching it you know forcing a team to have to break that down and start scoring could be a bit nervy for both sides absolutely but city's been getting a lot better at that um so i think those would be my two as far as for the neutral fan but when it comes down to who i want to play i want columbus i want columbus a hundred percent of the time and i'll tell you exactly why because city two in the inaugural mls next pro cup played Columbus, and we lost, I want revenge on Columbus, and I want those City 2 guys to be like, look, we we should have beat you in City 2, but we're beating you where it counts the most on the first team. I want Columbus in the final and play it here at City Park just so we can really shut them down.
3: I like that uh, union shout because everybody compares because of Bradley Carnell and the high-pressing system compares us to the Red Bulls, but I think a whole lot of our just franchise the way we're built the way we play is a lot like the philadelphia union i think that would be um a set of matching styles and just be the most chaotic game you might ever see the most mls mls cup final is what you're saying and i agree (laughs) with you that
2: (laughs) uh my pick is orlando um it's a little bit of a grudge match the same way that uh columbus is but also, um, do not leave Atlanta out of this conversation. I think us versus Atlanta could be a lot of fun <laughs> for a neutral. I would hate that match. I would hate to watch it. But a neutral, I I'd love I think, to go
3: in transition <laughs> against their defense, though. I'd love us to in transition against their defense. Yeah, I'm not but sure Atlanta's making the final, though.
4: I, I mean, every uh, props to Atlanta and what they're doing. Uh, they're getting hot at the right time, but. I I don't see them making the final. L- look, so. look, that is... and we
2: didn't. We we were not asked for realistic picks.
4: <laughs> okay, that's that's true. That's true. But sometimes you got to get a little realistic to be like, okay, to temper down your options so
0: you can make a pick that's you know what your heart wants. If, if we're not getting realistic, I'm gonna say DC United then. I want these (laughs) two in the final. Yeah, you know it's it's not impossible. They're still mathematically in it, and to see to see (laughs) it happen, ooh, imagine
4: it—a Benteke Hattie. In the in the cup final, and, and then we win anyway. Five three <laughs> five in three. the final.
3: <laughs>
4: it happened twice.
2: <laughs>
3: I'd like to see Parker and Ben Teke go at it. Oh, that, that would, would be, be a fun, fun one to watch yeah, for sure. Great.
2: But I was like, yeah, if we can be just as unrealistic as we want, I mean, like Montreal. <laughs> hey, hey, Montreal
4: has really done a lot to come back this season after the absolute exodus they had yeah. going into this season. Montreal, Absolutely. do not. You keep Montreal's name out of your mouth, all right? <laughs> they've done was, amazing for I what have they have. I have been
2: had. a Montreal defender all season. I'm very proud of them for coming back from this. But like, even saying Toronto's too far gone, they're already eliminated. I can't say Toronto, so I'm saying Montreal. <laughs> no,
0: the the union was a great shout. union have done a great, great job with the program they've been doing, uh, developing the kids, having the experienced players. Carranza has been on fire. Everything they've done, have done it really well. Um, Russell, that's my questions. Do you have anything you want to add on your side?
1: No, I was just—I was shocked that nobody said Miami in the final
0: <laughs>
1: MLS
4: Cup <laughs> final <laughs> version of Messi. No one wants to see that. I don't want hey, Messi me. to get the trouble. <laughs> I don't want him to get the trouble. I'm okay if he gets the double, but if he hit, if if Miami goes for the trouble, like. You, you, yeah, what it, what are you supposed to do in that situation? It's Messi, he's gonna win a third trophy. Like, like he, you just can't <laughs> stop him at that point. I didn't want to put that out into the universe. I didn't want to manifest that. Yeah, what that, fan and is you are doing, doing it. What fan is
2: honestly gonna say they want their team to face Messi? Nobody, <laughs> nobody alive is gonna say they want that.
1: Well, I don't know. Well, look, all I'm saying is the writer's guild strike is done, so the MLS script writers
4: can come back.
1: It's very possible that <laughs> oh. you know the team start
4: getting the scripts again and say, Okay, hold on. We got to start losing to Miami. I, you see, I don't. Here's I don't your, think MLS was one of the struck companies. So I think the writers have been there the entire time.
3: Here's your plot spicy twist: MLS is oh. about as
4: rigged as WWE. Everybody,
3: Miami's not making it.
1: I I would actually be inclined to agree with you. I think they're yeah. gonna they're gonna be within one or two points of it. Yeah, but if the rumors that Messi might not play the rest of MLS regular season after the U.S. Open Cup just give him a break are true, then I think they will probably miss.
2: Yeah, um, it was very exciting to watch them make the run. But yeah,
0: oh, absolutely, Mike, Sean, Mason, I, it's it's fun talking to you guys. I, I've had a blast. Um, I'm not going to mention your handle this time, so I'll let you do it. <laughs> 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 so, so, if you want to let our listeners know where they can follow you, read your stuff, or listen to your podcast. Yeah, we're
3: the uh, River City Ramble. Uh, we've been doing this for two and a half years. We should, we're should available everywhere you get your podcasts that we've heard of. Um, and we do most of our work on social media at River City. What is it? At River City underscore show, Mason? It is at River
2: City underscore show on Twitter. And I'm going to call it Twitter because I refuse to call it by the other name.
3: <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with this as well, Russell and David. Thanks yeah, this, for having this us.
4: This was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for having us.
3: Yeah, absolutely love to be on the
0: show. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys so much. Check them out. Listen to them, Russell. Wonderful having you back on the podcast.
1: I, you say back as though <laughs> I'm not about to go record another episode later tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, guys. Till next time.